Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. Well, hey friends, welcome to Northgate. Our mission here is to uh, make wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. And just being here on Sundays is part of that process. I'm glad you're here with us. If you're in Vallejo or you're online with us this week, um, so thankful to have you. We are continuing this series in the book of John. Um, we've been going through it. We're going to continue to go through it actually until September. And this week we're in John chapter 6. And there's a ton of stuff that happens in this chapter. And uh, we're going to hit one really small piece. We're actually going to hit um, what I think is one of the more difficult pieces, not like the, the stories we all know, but it's when uh, Jesus gives kind of his vampire talk and um, and a lot of people really struggle with that. So we're going to kind of dig into that and talk about what that means a little bit and see where we can get there. Um, and I want to tell you about some things that are happening before, earlier in this chapter, um, probably some stories that you're fairly familiar with. Um, what's really going on is uh, more and more people are starting to follow Jesus in his journey and becoming his disciple and following him where he goes and learning from him, watching him do these things. And a lot of people are also carrying their questions with them, trying to figure out, who is this guy? Is he really going to give me what I need? Is he really God as he says he is? And um, all of that good sorts of stuff. And uh, what's happened in chapter 5 is he sent out uh, um, a bunch of his disciples out. And uh, what they've done is essentially collected people to a region which he was showing up to. And it says over 5,000 people showed up. And that was typically talking about just the men. So thousands upon thousands of people have shown up to hear Jesus, and the disciples are exhausted, more than just the 12, but this larger group that's been following Jesus. And um, all of these people have shown up to hear him and to learn from him. Um, and it's the end of the day, and the disciples are exhausted uh, because they've already done this work of gathering. Uh, and so they tell Jesus, hey, you should really send them home because the markets are closing, it's getting towards the night, so they can get something to eat and Jesus said, well, why don't you feed them? Let's feed them. And then this famous story that many of you have probably heard of, of when uh, he takes some bread and some fish uh, and feeds over 5,000 and even thousands on top of that to their fill. And that big miracle that happened. Immediately following that miracle, um, we see that uh, as the disciples again were exhausted, Jesus said, hey, I know it's a late night. Go ahead and spend the night rowing across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And he didn't go with them. He went onto a mountainside to pray and some, spend some time with the Father and to himself. And so they're struggling through the middle of the night, exhausted. Um, and it was windy and crazy. And this is now the scene when we see Jesus decided not to take up his own boat or walk around. He figured he'd walk across this lake. And this is where in chapter 6 we see Jesus walks on water. And then gets in the boat with them, and they go to the other side. And that really picks us up now to this story. You have this group of people from these communities that have come to see Jesus, and now they've had their fill. They saw a miracle, they got food, and they're like, wow, this Jesus guy is really cool if he gives me something. And we find ourselves in chapter 6, verse 25. It says, when they found him, this is that group of people on the other side, they were waiting to see when is his boat going to leave. His boat didn't leave, but they heard he was there. On the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Like, hey, how did this happen? They hadn't been a part of that last evening. Jesus answered, 
Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Basically, you're just here for the freebie. You didn't come find me because you're like, wow, I need Jesus in my life. I need God through Jesus in my life, that you're the Messiah. That's not the reason that they were working hard to go find him. They were working hard, he's saying, because you ate food. And I gave you food, and you're just coming for me because you're looking for handouts. So they continues to say, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So what we find immediately is he's saying, hey, you're going to be upset if you're just hanging out with me to get food. Because the bigger picture in this whole thing is I am the food. And this is start, it gets to be where it gets really interesting. And they start going, wait, what? And essentially, what they're looking for at this time, like many of us do, <clears throat> is we really want God, Jesus, to be like a genie in a bottle, right? We need you to give me this or give me that or fill me up here or do this for me and I'm only going to come to you and I need this. Like, hey, you're giving handouts. I'm all about it. I'm going to show up at the doorbuster, throw it my way. And what we find out is these three things uh, in this passage that I'm going to explain to you. And the first one is this. Now, following Jesus can sometimes be disappointing. So following Jesus can sometimes be disappointing because there's no such thing as a genie in the bottle. And Jesus represents no such thing. And he begins to explain this to these followers that have come to uh, find where he's at. And even his disciples, and then even to his 12 disciples that were with him. Uh, This is a much bigger thing. There's much more involved when it comes to following me. Now, here's the thing I want to chew on for the next five or ten minutes, and it's this. That following Jesus can be disappointing when it comes to um, uh, the genie situation and how well our obstacles are managed. The things that come up in our life, the questions that we have, just as we see these uh, people in this story. Very few adults um, accept Christianity or accept Jesus, adults accept this, um, that have worked through and overcome their own personal obstacles. Example, like these guys. Very few of these guys would be interested in hanging out with Jesus that have worked out a way to feed themselves. There would be no need to just get the freebie. This is why, another example why um, Jesus talks so much about wealth in the Bible uh, is because people with affluence uh, usually can work through their own obstacles fairly well. They can take care of themselves, get what they need, handle themselves. They don't need God to take care of anything. And he says, this is where you're going to struggle with this and get this wrong is that I am the truth, I'm the way, I'm the life, I'm the answer, and this is where we're going to have our discount, disconnect. So very few adults do you see, and very few adults that you know have ever become a Christian or started following Jesus um, because they worked through their own obstacles. What it has been because of is because of things um, that they haven't been able to work out, and suddenly they've been smacked in the face with something, a reality in life that they couldn't work through, and they actually needed something more than food. Uh, They needed God to really 
show up. It's usually in things like uh, tragedy, when people find themselves on their knees out of nowhere. They want nothing to do with God. They're not sure if they believe in God. Uh, God might be there as a genie, but even that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, I don't understand the big long list of things uh, in the Bible, uh, whether it's not as an errant. I don't understand why people are suffering. I don't understand how miracles happen or how that works. I don't understand other religions. I don't understand Christians on Facebook. <laughs> Therefore, I will have nothing to do with it. But when tragedy hits, this is the most common one that I see, crisis or transition, let's say having a kid. <laughs> so when it hits and you find yourselves on your knees, that's most often when you see people saying, all of these questions I have in life, all of these things about God and who he is, and what he's asking me to be or what he represents, shrinks and gets much smaller uh, in my life. And he becomes much bigger. You find yourself there. And we see that um, this Christianity thing or following Christ, it's not in a category any longer. It becomes intensely uh, uh, personal. So some of you in here might be thinking, if you think I'm going to be so intellectually dishonest, like some of these people trying to struggle through, am I going to be so intellectually dishonest that I could put to the side my questions about Jesus and God and the decisions he makes and suffering and miracles and religions, why there's so many religions, or this, that, and the other that you just can't wrap your head around. Um, You're crazy, Larry. Why would I be that dishonest? Well, I want to tell you that you've done that in some other things in your life. There's similar circumstances or incidents where you've taken your questions that are very big that you would like answers to, and you've made them very small for your own purpose. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to use the guys first. Guys, this is for you. Guys, if you're married here, you probably had a list. Guys were different than girls, so just hang with me here. This is the reason why you wouldn't get married, right? You had your own list. You said, I can't lose my freedom. I'm not getting married. I'm not interested in marriage because I can't lose my freedom. Or I can't do commitment. I mean, like, to commit to something for that long, I was like, it was crazy. Like, no one commits to anything for that long. I mean, I used to love macaroni and cheese. I don't even do it no more. Like, <laughs> that's nonsense. Who would do that? Or money. <laughs> this is like what you hear all the time. Like, I can't afford it yet. Like, I can't afford, I can't even afford to get the things that I want. How the heck am I going to afford the things that she wants, too? <laughs> How, uh, this can't happen. I'm not financially going to be in the right place to handle that. <clears throat> or other people, other married people, you know. You know, you grow up, whether it's your parents or other people's parents or other people that you meet, and you're like, gosh, why would I want to sign up for that? That looks miserable. <laughs> and how miserable they are. I'd rather be lonely the rest of my life than suffer and get stuck. <laughs> or you're too young. You're like, I got the world to travel. I got things to do, a career to build on. Or what if I meet, you know, what if tomorrow somebody comes walking in the door and I was like, duh, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> right? Jeez. <clears throat> if you waited for these things to happen, so this is the deal. <clears throat> I can tell you with just about 100% certainty, myself included, You did not work this list out and check everything off the box before you got married. 
you didn't work out your freedom, you didn't work out the whole commitment thing, you didn't save up, you'd be 55 plus and you'd just, it's all the money. You started forgetting about the other people you knew. You said, well, I don't want to be 55. And uh, you just said, forget it, what have I met? Those things became small. They didn't go away. And the reason that you finally changed, why that changed for you is exactly this. I mean, uh, hold on. <laughs> Switch. This. Love. That's <laughs> I don't know who put that in there. That was a sneaky joke. <laughs> all, of the <laughs> all of those things are still there. Those questions are still there. They don't have their answers. But this changed the game. Marriage went from a category to a person that you met. It was real, and it became intensely personal to you. And you went into that and carried it with you, right? You, you know this. You've done this with other people. You, you, you don't want people to know every answer about you that they may have about you before they love you and care about you. We don't want that. But all those things are still there, and it became extremely small. It became personal for us. And it happens in the same way with the questions about God and who he is and why he says what he says and how we are supposed to interact with these different pieces and what's the answers to these different questions. And what we find is the second point is that following Jesus is often challenging because of this, because we don't get all the answers to our questions. We don't understand everything about who God is and what he's saying that we're constantly wrestling and grappling with this, just as we saw people who were face-to-face with him wrestling and grappling with this. <clears throat> Ladies, the same thing uh, for you, just to not zero in on the guys. When it comes to the questions you have in life, too, the same thing. If you're in here and you've had a baby, why would you have a kid? Like, that's just crazy. You know the things that it does to your body? It's extremely dangerous. It's tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. There's all kinds of reasons, but all of those questions don't go away. They get small and it becomes worth the risk because it's personal and that in itself is challenging. If you're here and you're single or you uh, have wanted a child, the same thing. There's other kids out there. There's this opportunity. Those feelings all get smaller and oftentimes we find just like in following Jesus, that becomes challenging. What makes those things get so small? So we see um, that this group of people is struggling with this similar type of situation. It says in uh, John, we continue the story. So it says, now they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? So what's this big answer to the question of like, what do you mean you're the bread of life and that this is, that this is it and this is going to sustain me? And so Jesus answered, the work of God is this, just this short little sam- uh, sentence, to believe in the one he has sent. So to believe in me and to realize that I'm enough and that you don't need and you're not going to get all the answers to all your questions. So they uh, asked him again, because that wasn't good enough. What sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? What's, what about this? When did you do that? What can you give me? The same sense we have our questions when it comes to being a Christian. Is the Bible true? 
Is it inerrant? Is this ancient literature applicable today? What things do we literally take and figuratively take? When he says later in this passage, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, is that literally what he's saying as people literally struggled with that? Suffering, why does suffering continue to happen in this world, the people we know or ourselves? Miracles, do they even exist anymore? Like we read about them. Is it really happening? Other religions, everyone's right, no one's wrong. Family, they either like you or they love you or they're weird, especially when it comes to this. Christians, stay off of social media. Like we got our own mess there of, of, well, if you say you're a Christian or you're doing this or you're representing all of us with this title or just the other questions that are unknown. How do we deal with this? And Jesus said, this is how you deal with this. Understand that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. But what about all these things? Well, whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. But wait, do you mean like literal hunger and thirst? Look it. As I told you, you've seen me and you still don't believe. You still don't believe in me. You're still just focusing on these other questions. So he continues, all that the Father gives me will co- that come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I shall lose none of you that he has given me, but raise them up. Look it, you want the big answer at the end? I don't want to lose none of you. But at the end, I'm going to raise you up in the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in me, you've got to look at me and believe me, shall have eternal life and see I will raise them up on the last day. See, what's most important to God is that you love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And my tendency, your tendency, so many people's tendency that I meet is we want to understand God with all of our mind. And then perhaps, if I can understand you with all of my mind, therefore I might give you my heart and my soul. And that's not how it works. God wants more than that. He wants you to love him more than he wants you to understand him. And once you begin to love him, you'll start to understand him. And this list starts to shrink because it becomes extremely personal. The list doesn't go away. Some of them actually do begin to go away. You start to see answers to the questions. You start to never think about some of the questions because it's intensely personal. It's intensely personal. God wants you to know him more than he wants you to understand him. Where did that come from? Isn't that true of me and you? Don't you want people to know you and love you again before they know all the answers about you? And the key is, when it comes to this, you fell in love, I fell in love, and I brought my questions with me. And when you do that, following Jesus will be constantly life-changing. Because here's where the hard teaching is. He 
then continues to go on and says, look it, if you want this, you need to eat me. (laughs) Eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And people said, gosh, you are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. This is a really tough teaching. And many, it says, many of his disciples, not his 12, many of his disciples then turned away and never followed him again. Why? They did that because they weren't prepared to say, you will sustain me. You are everything. I'm going to seek to be all about you. My life is no longer mine. I need only you. You are the first. You are the last. You're the beginning. You're the end. You are my answer. I have a question about this. How do I live? How do I act? You give me the answer. I've screwed up. I've sinned. I've done things that I need uh, healing from. You're the answer. I lay that at your feet. The beginning and the end. Not literally eating, figuratively sustaining me constantly over and over and over again. He says that tough teaching and a whole bunch of people leave. So then it says he turned um, and he says to his 12, you don't want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter spoke up and said, uh, who, who should we go to? What else is our option? For many of you right there, that's good enough. When things are tough or when you see someone going through something that's difficult or when you've sinned against yourself and you're broken or someone else, who do you go to? What are you going to go to? What's actually going to help you, free you, and give you life? For, that's what he's saying. For, where do we go? I mean, this is the best option. And then he continues, you, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And the crazy part is they continued to doubt. <laughs> they continued to drag their questions with them. And doubt to the degree that they showed up on the night that Jesus was arrested. And they said, we don't even know who the guy is. After they said this, face to face. Then they watched him die. He showed up after he raised from the grave again, and they were hiding (laughs) and doubting. They still had their questions, but it was extremely personal. So I invite you today. I invite you today to make it personal and to encourage others that you know in your sphere of personal to help them understand that it's okay And that changes when it's personal. You don't have to have all the answers to your questions. But God is your substance. Would you bow your heads? Maybe here today and right now, at 10.59 a.m. on Sunday morning, July 2nd, 2017, you need to make it personal again. Because you're sitting there going... Man, I'm acting like that group of people that's just showing up and knocking on his door and rubbing that genie lamp, saying, hey, you got some food for me? Because I'd really like this. What do you want me to do so I can get that so you can fill me up again? Maybe today you're realizing, gosh, 
He has been so distant. Wait a minute. I have been so distant. Maybe right now, in this moment right now, again, you just need to pause and just say, it's personal. Just get back and connect with him. Maybe that even starts in this moment with a moment of repentance. Laying it at his feet. Maybe some of you here today have been dealing with a challenging circumstance. Or you know someone who's really dealing with some challenging circumstances. And maybe you're even frustrated with God or frustrated with Jesus. Saying, where are you at? I need you to show up right now. Maybe today, again, all you need to do is just lay at his feet and say, you know what? You might not give me the answer to my questions, but I at least need you to tell me how I'm going to deal with it. How I'm going to get through it. How you're going to use this in my life. Make it personal. Finally, maybe you're here today and you've never experienced God's life change. His miracle ready to be done in your life over and over and over again, made anew every single day. If you stop and you receive it. So if you're here today and that's you, maybe you're thinking, all I need to do is believe. And then all I need to do is say, I give everything to you and you're just going to continue to sustain me. You're going to make me alive and new every day. You're going to be the bread of life. You're going to be the truth, the way. You're going to bring me hope. You're going to continue to give me grace. You're going to give me peace beyond my understanding. If you're a yesterday He's a yes right back. Just as he said, he's here to scoop you in. If you would have him, he'll have you. He'll break those chains. He'll make you anew. If that's you today, and you want to make that decision for the first time in your life, I'm so pumped for you. You have no idea what's about to go down. With everyone's head still bowed, I, wanna, I would love to pray for you and just be excited for you and lift you up. If that's you and you're making that decision today for the first time with everyone's heads bowed, would you raise your hand and just look up at me and allow me to acknowledge you, to see you and what God's doing in your life already in this place? God, thank you for sending your son to make this so personal. Thank you for ripping the veil. Thank you for being our substance. Thank you for being the bread that sustains us and the blood that forgives us and washes us clean. We give ourselves to you 
repent for the things that we've done that hurt you and hurt ourselves and hurt others. We love you and we honor you and we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Yeah.